golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. I turn on the lights. I love it late. Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4, in the house, Holly G, with my special guest caddy this evening, Mike Jameson, Executive Director of the International Network of Golf and resident of Timaquan Country Club. Yay. How'd you make out in the member member? Uh, member guest. Member yeah, guest, I, I mean. Uh, we gave it a good fight, Holly. We were right there till the end. Couldn't close it. Couldn't close it. I heard you were in the hunt. Too much golf for, for an old guy like me, you know? 18 one day, 27 the next, 18 the next. I was crippled by the time it was over. Well, I was over there uh, Monday. Of course, it was looking beautiful. Yeah, it looks great. Big shout out to our friend Kevin Sternett, assistant golf professional. Yes, indeed. He's doing a great job there. He really is. And a uh, new uh, head director of golf. Joe Lewandowski came down from Mission Inn. Um, My getting, neck of the woods. Yeah, getting his feet wet there, uh, making some changes already that are positive. Um, I, I think he's going to be great there. I really do. Um, yeah, that was that that was a, a nice move for him. Got to meet him on, on Monday as well. And... Um, You've got the uh, Sean Foley Golf Academy over there. Yeah, the Foley Performance Academy at Eagles Dream. Uh, they have this year, I think, about 15 international kids that come there uh, for the whole year. They go to school at Lake Mary Prep. They come come there after school, work on their golf games. They're, they're, they live there. They eat there. It's, it's a, kind of an around-the-clock uh, sharpen-your-golf-game program, and I think Sean's there uh, once or twice a month and um, doing a great job with the kids. Well, we had a big victory on Sunday for Billy Horschel and Scott Piercy at the Zurich Classic. They inched it out over swashbuckling Jason <laughs> Duffner and Pat Perez. I'm not sure either one of the, the two of those have a pulse, uh, <laughs> but they pulled it out. 22 under over those guys in the final hole. They, uh, boy, it looked like Billy was going to slam dunk a, whatever it was, 26-footer, um, sort of reminiscent of his win back in, uh, was it 2016, 2017, when he when he won there? Be- yeah, it was before it was a team event, so it was I 2016. Think it was 13, maybe. Oh, 13, yeah. who knows? It was his first win on tour, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, you know, I looked like a repeat, and and uh, he was about fifteen feet in the air. But um, <laughs> you know, they tapped it in for a nice li- little birdie to to win outright. Um, great event. Charles Schwartzel and Louis Oosthuizen playing for the first time. They said in their career, play. You know, they've known each other for years. The South Africans. 
mm-hmm. and um, really fun to watch watch them as a team. Louie's um, got, I, I think, maybe the best-looking swing on tour. I just love watching him hit the golf ball. I do, too. Just smooth and... and you got to love that Shrek smile. Yeah. <laughs> got to love it. Love Louie. Uh, Patrick Reed was back in the mix. Um, he and Patrick Cantley finished at 17-under. At one point, I think there were 13 teams within a couple of four shots of the lead. So, yeah. again, I think this turned out to be a, a terrific event for for the Zurich Classic. I agree. I think changing the alternate shot to the second and final round instead of the first and third added a little drama. We all, those of us who have played golf, we all know the pressure that alternate shot puts on Big you. Big time. Yes, and, and I think the professionals were feeling it. Kev, Kisner and Brown kind of uh, stepped all over each other on the last day, and they were runners-up last year in this, so I think people expected them to come through and win, and they just, and the alternate shot just bit them. Yeah, I think they lost, what was it, um, five five shots shot, yeah, in the 70, last six holes or something? Yeah, I think they It shot, was not pretty. It was not. Uh, they were all over the bar, barnyard. Yeah, they uh, they just dropped off the map. Uh, Tony Finau and Daniel Summerhays were one of just two of the top 14 teams to be over par on Sunday. Their 73 left them uh, floundering and uh, dropped to sixth place, uh, 18 under par. But a uh, really, really, really fun event. Uh, and now we go to Quail Hollow this week, a golf course I know you're familiar with. From your neck of the woods, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, intimately familiar. When I was in high school, my cousin was the assistant pro there, and we did a lot of caddying at Quail Hollow on the weekends, a long golf course to carry two golf bags. Well, we're going to go to one of our favorite golf insiders right now, who's live from the media center up there at beautiful Quail Hollow, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Hello, Bob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, Bob. Looking beautiful, looking beautiful up there, and uh, we know the the last stretch there, the Green Mile, one of the toughest in golf, and this course is long and tight. They're going to have to be hitting the the big stick all week long. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's a pretty darn good test. Uh, uh, I don't think quite as difficult as it was at the PGA, uh, you know, eight months ago, uh, but um, it's. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's 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 very formidable, especially if you're not playing well. It's uh, those and those three closing holes aren't exactly birdie holes. Um, you know, they're they're going to yield a lot more over par scores than under, and you need to you need to really um, you know have it together, especially you know on the weekend when it starts to you know ratchet up. Uh, those those holes typically take their toll. Well, it's of course lots of Tiger coverage the last couple of days as he returns. Uh, since uh, the Masters, as as well as Rory and uh, Patrick Reed playing. Of course, he played uh, in, the, in the Zurich, but uh, certainly, you know, this is going to be exciting because he and Tiger are going to be teeing it up together. Yeah, and Brooks Koepka, too. Um, and uh, <clears throat> for one of the rare times, Tiger has the uh, late, early tee time. Um, the only other time that he's... Uh, uh, really had that this year is uh, was at Valspar where he finished second. Uh, so um, you know if he can if he can uh, assess how the course is playing by the guys in the morning and 
post a decent number uh, in the afternoon. Then he gets the course in, in really good conditions early Friday morning. And uh, uh, so uh, we'll see how he handles it. You know, this is the first time, uh, you know, now he's going through this thing where he, he, he basically spent the entire winter and spring kind of gearing up for the Masters trying to build and build and build, right? You know, <clears throat> Torrey Pines to to Riviera, then Honda, and, you know, all through Florida, the, and then the Masters. And then, you know, there's kind of a letdown after that, let's be honest, uh, especially after all the hype for him and he didn't do as well as he wanted. He takes some time off, and now you have to get back after it again. It'll be interesting to see how he how he comes back, uh, you know, how, how sharp he is. Um, you know, it, I, I get the sense he's worked on his game in the last week to 10 days. That's a good sign. I'm not sure he did that in, in the last few years when he was hurting so much usually. So uh, we'll, we'll see if he's able to, uh, you know, pick right back up and, and get going again. Uh, Bob, has there been much talk about his new irons, those tailor-made uh, muscleback irons? I know the, uh, the fellow with Nike that worked on his clubs uh, at Nike uh, consulted on this. Has he had much to say about them this week? Yeah, you know, he's been asked about it. Obviously, anything with him is a big deal. Um, I think what a lot of people probably didn't realize is that, uh, you know, since Nike got out of the golf club business and he signed a deal with TaylorMade, um, you know, before the, the, the comeback before this one, he he was doing that uh, going into last year, you know, and he only played the three tournaments. But he never had settled on on tailor-made irons to put in the bag. He was using his old Nike irons. They were stamped differently, but that's basically what he was using. And for, you know, the better part of the last year, certainly when he's been able to swing a club, he's been testing. And uh, slowly but surely, you know, they tweak and they go back. And you're right, he, his guy from Nike is helping them with this. And, and, you know, they, they can build these clubs to be so close to what you had before, but it's never quite exactly the same. And as I think we've learned, he's pretty particular. And, um, you know, this is just the first go at it. My guess is, is that this won't be the final one, but he's finally got Nike's or excuse me. He's finally got tailor-made irons in his bag and uh, not the wedges yet. And that's interesting thing. You know, that's going to probably take a, a little bit longer time also to sort that out. Bob, some um, interesting feel-good stories around Tiger the last couple of weeks. Uh, This week, there was a a contest with the first tee there in Raleigh, and a high school senior won the, I believe it was an essay contest, and got the chance to play with Tiger. Uh, Shabazz Hashimi, was that his name? Hashmi? Right. Um, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, a, a wonderful story. And then you wrote one last week about um, a, an 18-year-old Pratima Sherpa from Nepal who got a private lesson from Tiger at the Medalist. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, you know, the story today was a nice one, too. Um, the one last week, though, was really remarkable um, in, in, just in, in the overall scheme of things. I mean, this girl's from Nepal. Um, and basically grew up on the Nepal golf course where her parents have worked as laborers, you know, since she was born. And, and basically they, they make the equivalent, her mom and dad make the equivalent of like $20 a week. And, 
you know, they can't afford housing that's better than this, uh, you know, than this arrangement that's basically on the golf course. And uh, but she learned to play the game there and, and got good enough to the point where she wants to turn pro. And long story short, Tom Tom Rinaldi from ESPN, I I, I totally encourage anybody to go find this online. He did yeah, it's a, a fantastic story. It's an, in an incredible film. He did like a short film, uh, him and a producer, Kristen Lapis, and they went over there a couple times. Anyway, this film premiered um, just uh, you know a couple of weekends ago at, at a film festival in New York City, and they brought her over. They had her come over. Uh, she had come to the U.S. once before last summer. First time ever she was out of the country, came over here and got some seasoning and a bunch of junior events before she went back home to try to qualify for a pro card, which she came up short of. So she came back over here. Tiger had heard about her story and written her a letter uh, that she you know, took forever to get to her. He just It got sent to the club. And it made its way to her, and so ever from that time, obviously she she was very, very much you know sort of like a, he he's like a hero to her, and she was at this premiere over that weekend, and and somebody from the Tiger Woods Foundation happened to be there to see it, <clears throat> and he put together he put it together to make it happen. He made a few calls, he got her and this woman from that host family on a plane to Florida. Last week, they stayed overnight down there, and he arranged for her to come to this clinic, which was not a kid's clinic. It was going to be a, a foundation clinic, a private clinic for donors. But she came to that, and then Tiger showed up early, took her to the range, had her hit balls. She didn't have clubs. She didn't have shoes. She hit out of his bag. Uh, you know, She met him for the first time. She was crying. There's video of it. I mean, you get the sense that Tiger was even moved by it a little bit. I mean, it was pretty amazing to think. And then she got back on a plane, went back to the um, – to, to, there was a second showing of that film, which I encourage you to find on ESPN.com. It, it, it just, if you just uh, Google her name, Sherpa, S-H-E-R-P-A, it's, uh, it's pretty easily found. And then, you know, she's gone back to Nepal. I mean, back to that life, living on the living golf course. Living in a shed and, alongside yeah. the golf course. Uh, just you know, and I think, I think there's a little bit of a movement to, to get some money coming her way. I, I think there's like a, you know, an effort to try to raise some funds. Uh, I think that would be great to help her parents get out of that. Uh, but she's a heck of a player, and man, what an attitude. Great attitude. Absolutely. Well, uh, it was a fantastic story. And um, as you quoted, Pratima is simply incredible Tiger said, I read her story and was amazed. The chance to meet her and talk to her was really inspiring. It was great to witness her journey and to see the happiness she exudes. Uh, As you said, well worth going to check out your story on ESPN.com as well as uh, more information on the film. Inspire any uh, junior player, too. As always, Bob, we appreciate your time so much, my friend. Thank you and uh, terrific story. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. More Golf Talk coming up. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. The struggler's blues. 
We're back. The Golf Insiders in the house, Holly G, along with my special guest co-host tonight, Mike Jameson from the International Network of Golfers. We know it in the biz. I-N-G. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and uh, Mike, we're going to be heading to beautiful Biloxi in a couple of weeks for the International Network of Golf Conference. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we're going to be at the IP Casino Resort uh, right off the ocean there. And if you haven't been to Biloxi in a few years, Katrina kind of moved around the landscape a little bit up there. But it is gorgeous. It's, It's just a beautiful place. Really nice golf courses as well. Looking forward to teeing it up and um, maybe playing a little blackjack. Maybe just a little. <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, hey, we want to uh, turn to another one of our favorite golf insiders because this is going to be a big week at Quail Hollow. Almost has a feeling of a, of a major. You know, it's so well respected, the golf course. Uh, one of the toughest, if not the, I would say, outside of the majors that they play. And there may be some confusion with some because the PGA Championship was played at Quail Hollow last year in 2017. Justin Thomas was the winner. The uh, Wells Fargo was played at Wilmington Country Club. Wilmington, North Carolina, yeah. And Brian Hammond was the winner. So a little bit of confusion, but they're back to the home turf and uh, back to the, I think, more uh, – Likeable setup in terms of the the players. We've got Damon Hack from Morning Drive on the Golf Channel checking in with us now to uh, to give us his take on Quail Hollow and the tournament this week. Hey, Damon. What's up, Holly G and Mike? How you doing? Doing great, Damon. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm right with Holly G in terms of the excitement level of this week and this tournament. Uh, it's only the 16th year of the Wells Fargo Championship, but as I said on the Morning Drive today, it feels like this tournament's been around forever. Well, you know, the the Kemper Open was there at Quail Hollow starting back in the late 60s when Palmer, uh, Arnold Palmer had a house there on the 15th fairway, and, and he brought the tour to Quail Hollow, and it's been, it's been a whole lot of golf course for these guys for a long time. Absolutely, and Arnold uh, was a part of the redesign of the golf course and uh, originally a George Cobb design, and I'm sure listeners will know the name George Cobb, who did the par three course at Augusta National. It really is uh, a wonderful, wonderful test of golf and just a beautiful golf course if you spend any time there. Uh, you, know, you can kind of evoke some of those uh, Augusta National feels just in terms of the, the deep greens, uh, the colors. It's like very emerald, very well kept and maintained. Really one of the prettiest spots uh, on the PGA Tour schedule. Some interesting press conferences the last couple of days, Damon. Um, in particular, so, so Patrick Reed uh, some interesting info coming out of his press conference that apparently he was having a little trouble with his eyesight and actually went to the eye doctor the week of the Houston tournament, the week before the Masters. Turned out he was having trouble seeing from outside 30 yards and got himself a pair of contact lenses, and, and bingo, he becomes the Masters champion. How about that? He had his vision corrected just before the Masters. How crazy is that story? I mean, how about timing is, is being everything, huh? I mean, does that mean if he, if he didn't get that done, would he have lost and, and maybe Jordan Spieth has a second green jacket or, or Ricky Fowler a, a first? Uh, it's amazing to hear stories like that, you know, different athletes having overcome certain things. But uh, it's going to be a fascinating week for him also 
Uh, we saw him last week, of course, in New Orleans in the team event, his first event uh, after the Masters. But you mentioned the PGA Championship. You could say that last year where we finished uh, co-runner-up, that that was kind of his, his, his best moment in a major championship that in some ways opened the door uh, for that green jacket uh, last month in, uh, in, at the Masters because it was his first time really tasting contention was last year at Quail Hollow uh, trying to chase down Justin Thomas. He came up a little bit short, but I think he took a lot from that week and was able to parlay that into winning a green jacket just a few weeks ago. I agree with that, Damon. He shot 67 the last day. He made a real run at Justin, and it had to boost his confidence. That and, of course, his performance in the Ryder Cup. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to contend this week. He's he's riding I really do, too. I think he's a quality, uh, tough player who – you know, where's the, the kind of the chip on his shoulder? He'll he'd be the first to tell you. He's been kind of underappreciated every step of the way. Kind of fell out of favor at the University of Georgia. Went to the smaller Augusta State and, you know, had a, a big hand in their back-to-back national championships and beaten the likes of Peter Uline in, in singles and Harris English and some more uh, highly uh, rated uh, amateur golfers than he was. And he's kind of continued to carry that, that kind of chip uh, in his, his professional career, remember his top five comment uh, several years ago when he won at Doral and even said it on the Saturday before that final round. So tells you about his confidence. He does not lack uh, in that department whatsoever. Now, I think it's great for golf, too. Uh, you know, we're going to be we're going to be, I think, watching uh, Patrick to see if this unleashes, you know, the the bulldog for the, the rest of this year in terms of the majors. Rory's back. Uh, he's the only two-time winner at the Wells Fargo. Of course, it was his first PGA Tour win in 2010. And this is the beginning of a pretty uh, busy stretch for Rory leading up to the U.S. Open. Your thoughts on, on him this week? Yeah, he's got uh, the all-time career money record at Quail Hollow. And when you look at that record, you mentioned the two wins. He shot that 62. He has a 61 as well. Uh, which came in his second win at Quail Hollow. And it's so interesting to me that uh, you mentioned the part of the schedule for him. He'll play in the players. He'll play in the BMW PGA Championship uh, in London and Wentworth. I'll actually be heading there for Golf Channel. And it's always fun to kind of cover the players uh, overseas. It's a little bit of a different feel. But this golf course and and Rory, when you look at his career there, six top ten finishes. Uh, He's so comfortable there. Had a playoff loss in 2012 to Ricky Fowler. I I think he's rightfully a heavy favorite this week, but it will be interesting considering that bad Sunday that he had at Augusta National where he blew that first tee shot into the trees right, missed a couple of putts early, and just never really put a scare into into Patrick Reed. Kind of said that all the pressure was on Patrick and, and maybe was deflecting his own chase for the career grand slam, but he'll want to put that behind him, and there's no better golf course perhaps on the planet for Rory McIlroy to do just that than Quail Hollow where he has so much success. Well, you've got um, coverage on the Golf Channel Thursday and Friday from 2 to 6 p.m. Also some LPGA coverage this week and as well. And who are you picking for Quail Hollow, Damon? I'm picking straight chalk. It's not exciting, but I'm picking Roy <laughs> McElroy. Uh, you talked a little blackjack earlier. I'm, I'm going to put my uh, my chips uh, on the table for, for Roy McElroy. He's a... Uh, obviously a future World Golf Hall of Famer. We've seen him bounce back from issues before. Uh, it was a small issue, I think, uh, on Sunday that he'll bounce back from. He 
You know, we saw him do it before in 2011 when he shot that 80 on Sunday, went on to win the next major championship. This wasn't nearly uh, that kind of disaster a couple weeks ago at Augusta. I think the comfort level and this overall play this year, especially when you consider what he did at Bay Hill, uh, what he did uh, in the Middle East at the start of January, uh, and the golf course, it just fits him to uh, to a T. I like Roy McIlroy to win this week for a third time in the Wells Fargo Championship. All right, I love it. And you can watch the uh, coverage Thursday and Friday from 2 to 6 on Golf Channel and Saturday and Sunday, the early coverage from 1 until 2.45. Damon Hack from Morning Drive, we appreciate it. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Holly G. And Mike, talk to you soon. So long, Damon. Listen to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play at Pebble, won't pay the price. I love my Muni, I think it's nice. Swing in the house drives my wife up the wall. She shouldn't worry, I don't use a ball. It'd be good to just make we're back, the Gulf Insiders in the house, Holly G, along with my special guest, Mike Jameson. I know your wife, Linda J. Yes, indeed. Does she get mad when you swing the club around the house? Yes, she does. And that's not the only thing I do to make her mad. <clears throat> but we won't go there, Holly. No, we won't. We won't. <laughs> we want to bring in one of our favorites right here in Orlando. He's enjoying a little sabbatical right now. Um, formerly the editor of Golf Week and the esteemed past president of the Golf Writers Association of America, Jeff Babineau, joining us. Hey, Jeff. Good evening, Holly G and Mike. Hello, Jeff. How are you, sir? I'm good. I, now, you're too good a guy to ever get in a whole lot of trouble with your wife. I know that. Uh, my, and my wife is the most forgiving person in the world. She's an say. angel. <laughs> we know that, Linda J. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, um, yeah, we were talking earlier, Jeff, that, um, you know, Mike J, growing up in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, caddied in high school at Quail Hollow. How about that little piece of trivia? Nice. Wow, that's, that's an awesome piece of trivia. I like that. I think the course has changed a bit. It has changed a lot, but uh, I used to carry two bags around when I would get to the 15th, that par 5 around the water, and have to climb that hill. It was plenty long back then, too, let me tell you. Um, That's a good track. I I like that track. You know, I went there in the early days of the Wells Fargo and covered that tournament a lot. I guess it was the Wachovia back in the day. Right. And uh, I I remember walking on those grounds and looking at those majestic trees and the way that, you know, the fairways aligned and thinking, what what a great U.S. Open venue this would be. It just had that kind of feel. It's just a a big ballpark and had a great feel to it. And I'm glad it got a major last summer. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens one day because Charlotte would be a tremendous U.S. Open city as well. It would be. You know, I think just the PGA of America kind of won that race. And uh, But, you know, next we'll see a President's Cup there. And, and from there, I mean, it's shown itself to be a great venue for some big events. So I'd love to go to a U.S. Open there. We were talking earlier too, Babs, about uh, the you know back-to-back U.S. Opens and Pinehurst, and you think uh, you think we'll see that happen again? That was a lot of fun. 
I don't know. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that was that was tough to uh, in the in the order in which they did it too, uh, with the men playing first and the women. I think it was tough for just getting all the right conditions and uh, getting the women on the course uh, enough time before their tournament to practice and and play. And uh, it was cool. It was nice to be in one spot for two weeks, but uh, an awful lot of things have to go right to pull it off. Yeah, no doubt about it. So speaking of trying to pull it off, Phil Mickelson once again is seeking his first Wells Fargo victory <laughs> despite 11 top 12 finishes in 14 attempts. Hmm. Last year he placed 18th. What do we think uh, Phil's chances are this week? Yeah, I mean, we haven't, seems like we haven't seen a lot of Phil um, of late, but I like his chances there. You know, he's got, you have to have some power at that golf course now. It's long. Uh, you know, and that, that final stretch is long, but the rest of the course has got some beef to it, too. So, uh, you know, it depends on how sharp he comes out. A lot of these guys kind of are just working their way through that Masters hangover. You know, we haven't seen Tiger. Uh, Ricky's been laying low, and Rory's been laying low. And, and it's just, you know, these guys kind of now are easing their way back into it. This is quite a test to try and do that. So given the length of this golf course, you know, it would make you think about uh, Dustin Johnson, of course, uh, Justin Thomas, John Rahm. Who of some of the, you know, big hitters are on your radar? Yeah, I mean, McElroy. Um, normally you would think of, uh, you know, Brooks Koepka being there, but he's just coming back from injury. Uh, Jason Day is playing. Plenty of power there. But, you know, what we saw at the PGA as well, uh, coming into the weekend, and into Sunday, Kevin Kisner held his ground there. He's not a bomber. Uh, a guy like Brian Harmon can compete. He's not a bomber. So it gives you a good mix as well. But, I mean, those guys who are hitting it long and, and getting it in play like a like a Dustin Johnson can, like a McElroy can, and they can really use that driver as a big weapon at, uh, on that golf course. Hey, Jeff, uh, is there any truth to the rumor, and I don't know if you know this or not, that uh, – the term, the green mile for the last three holes at Quell Hollow, uh, that Ron Green Jr. came up with that? I don't know that. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, Ron's been writing for years, as his dad did in Charlotte. That one wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. Uh, he, he's written more about that tournament than anyone. So uh, it's, a cool, it's a cool name and a cool finish. And, uh, you know, you can't fake your way around that close there. Somebody here, David Toms, I think, finished with an eight. And one by one, I mean, you can get some pretty crazy finishes up that last hole for sure. I'm looking at the FedEx Cup standings and sitting at number two, which probably would surprise a lot of people, is Patton Kazire. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Patton? Yeah, he hasn't played as well of late, but he won, won twice early in the year. Uh, he, he's, he reminds me of like a Davis Love. I guess there is a Davis Love Jr., so he wouldn't be a He'd be a Davis Love the uh, fifth, maybe. He's kind of he walks like Davis. He kind of goes slow. He's a big, tall, lanky guy. Powerful swing, laid back. It took him a long time to, to get out there. He, uh, you know, there was a point where he was going to even quit, and Brian Harmon gave him a little loan to keep him going, and he finished high in a Hooters Tour event and basically kept his golf career alive. You know, but there were some lean years through his 20s to get to where he is now. And now he's winning twice out there. He's in the, in the talk for 
you know, Ryder Cup spot, things like that. So he's definitely elevated himself, but it's taken a long time. And, and those are kind of some cool stories that, that brew for a while and then, you know, kind of blossom at the end. Who would be your, um, who your, who'd be your sleeper pick this, this week? I, I always like Lucas Glover. That, uh, he went there once, and, and he's not, you know, we even hasn't been in the front of our consciousness, I don't think, since winning the Open in 09, but uh, he's, he's kind of climbing back there. He's been pretty steady, and I know he likes that golf course a lot, so that would be my sweeper. What about Jordan, Speed? Jordan. Where's Jordan been? Well, Jordan, yeah, Jordan gets kind of crunched when all the events hit Texas, so I think we're going to wait and see Jordan. Uh, you know, he'll definitely be part of that new golf course at the Byron Nelson we're going to see coming up. He likes playing Colonial. Uh, it gets, it, that starts off a busy stretch, so he always kind of gets caught. You know, I, we don't see him at Bay Hill here, unfortunately. Uh, he kind of gets caught with all those Texas events and supporting his home state, uh, missing out on some good ones. So, um, But we'll, we'll start to see him pretty soon. I mean, he'll probably play four to five weeks starting at the Nelson, uh, going through the U.S. Open and he defends the Travelers. That's another week he can tack on. So he'll, he'll get his fill, and he'll work his way into his defense at, at the Open Championship once the tour gets to Carnoustie. Um, off of golf for one second, you were a Solar Bears fan for a long time. Are you still? <laughs> are, they're in the playoffs right now. They're in the playoffs. I haven't seen them as much of late. I'm, I get glued to the – I'm a big Boston fan, so I'm watching Bruins and Celtics and – Okay. Uh, I got a, I got a high schooler, a junior. He's playing a lot of high school baseball at Haggerty. So I tell you what, I've seen a lot of baseball this spring. So I've really enjoyed that. It's been a lot of fun. Well, your Bruins are playing the uh, Lightning right now. That's going to be the a Bruins great series. Bruins are playing the Lightning. That's right. I might get over there for game five. So that's going to be a dogfight. Yeah. The seventh game, I'm sure. And uh, I love the way that the Tampa, I covered the first year, Tampa Bay Lightning. I was working at the Orlando Sentinel. They got a hockey team over there. No one in our place knew golf. I'd grown up in the Northeast and raised my hand. I said, I would love to cover that. And uh, it was a blast. I remember going to those early Solar Bear games, man. It was hilarious. They, you know, they the put up, they put yeah. up the rules. Nobody knew. Nobody down here knew anything about hockey. No, no it was hilarious. I, I, at opening night, they had a guy, I never forget, Chris Contos, scored four goals. And when people started throwing their hats on the ice, after his third, security started throwing out the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta, gotta <laughs> so love it. a long it. way to go to get through a hockey tradition over there. Uh, All right, well, who are you picking, Babs, before we let you go? I like the way Rory McIlroy steps on that property. I know he hasn't played a lot lately, but I like the way he gets out there and he can go low out there and he's filled with confidence. It's just a special place for him. So I'll take the Ulsterman. That's two for two for Rory so far tonight. Looking like a, a an easy pick there, my friend. Thank you so much, Jeff Babineau. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah. We're back. Woo! Golf Insiders. 
Wrapping up an hour of Intelligent Golf Talk in the house, Holly G, along with my very, very good friend, Mike Jameson from the International Network of Golf. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah. Now, you were just telling me an interesting story. Yes. Uh, You have become the distinguished golf coach of Lake Mary Prep. Yes. And you took them to the state championships a year ago yes and almost repeated just came shy second place but one of your star players yes was in china jennifer zhao uh won an ajga event in the summer and qualified for a spot in the lpga tournament in china the same week as our state championships at mission Inn, and we finished second this year so but jennifer had a great time playing alongside the best women players in the world. Well, congratulations, because I know you've done an amazing job with that team. And speaking of amazing women golfers, Lydia Ko, back in the winner's circle after about almost a two-year drought. And uh, we have been talking um, off and on about her struggles and she just had her 21st birthday. You'd think she was 30 and going off a cliff. We know a guy who knows all about her story and the LPGA better than anybody. Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post joins Golf Insiders. Hey, Steve. How are you doing, Holly? Well, I'm so happy for Lydia. And uh, so great to see those tears of joy after she uh, made that eagle putt. What a shot into 18 on Sunday. Well, I mean, it was, that was a fantastic shot, but I think it typified her entire week. I mean, when you look at a lot of the shots that she hit, very, un, I call it un-old Lydia-like. I mean, she hit three wood out of the rough on several occasions. She was very aggressive in a lot of the lines that she took. Uh, she's, her swing is just tremendous now. It's a lot faster. It's a lot, a, lot, uh, a, a lot more assertive now than it has ever been. So, I, you know, look, I think this is... Uh, I say Lydia two point co. That's what we're dealing with now, and uh, I, I'm I couldn't be happier for her. And I'm just so thrilled that she has finally, hopefully, forever, shut up the critics. The girl has won 15 times on the LPGA tour. She's 21 years old, 15 times, including two major championships. I mean, I, I have no idea what could what could be criticized, but it's time for all that to stop. It, no, I agree, Mike. It, it it looks to me. And I, that she is so much more fit than she was before. Yeah, amazingly, isn't it? I mean, she's, she looks athletic now. She's a lot trimmer, uh, and it's a very healthy trim. I mean, she is she's actually working out now. I mean, she, she looks like an athlete. Um, but, look, we, we forget that when we she first burst onto the scene, she was a 15-year-old little girl. Yes. Uh, so I think this a lot of this has to do with just growing up and realizing if I'm going to continue to do this, be it for another nine or ten years, whatever it's going to be, I'm going to need to be uh, in much better shape, and she's gotten herself that way. Yeah, good for her. And and also, as we know, you get under the microscope in this business. Uh, you know, she had several um, high-profile coaching changes, but seemed to seems to have really clicked with um, her coach, her current coach. Yeah, you know, if her name was if her name was Lydia Smith, we wouldn't even have been talking about having having had three coaches in the course of a professional career. It happens all the time. Uh, the fact that she was the number one player in the world, fell off, and, and is now 
clawing her way back. I think uh, it, it created a lot more angst uh, for her and a lot more criticism from, from others looking in from the outside. A lot of it, I think, was jealousy. But, but I'm, i I got to tell you, what Ted O is doing with her is, is nothing short of extraordinary. For the first time in a long, long time, she actually looks like she feels a golf swing. She's not searching for a position. Uh, she's standing up there and just ripping it hard. Yeah, they can get overcomplicated. There's no doubt about that. Mike? Yeah, Steve, I, somebody I've been impressed with this season uh, is uh, Jessica Corda. Of course, her sister as well, but Jessica has played really well for a few weeks now. Uh, what can you tell us about her progress? Oh, well, Jessica came into last week uh, leading the tour in putts per greens and regulation, um, but I'm not sure that her putting has improved so much as she's just hitting it closer to the hole. Mm. I mean, you're going to make a lot more putts per green in regulation when you're hitting it to 10 feet instead of 20. Uh, so I think that has a lot to do with it. She's she's always been long, but she's been a little bit inconsistent with the driver. That's gone away now. Uh, her miss is is a nice little fade, which keeps her in play most of the time. Uh, and she's just every iron shot at this stage looks like it's going in the hole. So uh, I expect her. She's already won once. I expect her to win again this year and to really contend in the majors. I think missing the last Solheim Cup was a big motivator for her. Uh, and then having her sister out here, I think that has also uh, sparked, uh, put a little spark in her. And, and uh, you know, both those Corda kids just have Hall of Fame moves. I mean, when you watch them hit balls, you're just like, there's a bunch of people in the Hall of Fame who didn't hit it that well. Mm. So uh, I, I do expect great things out of both of them, but certainly out of Jessica. Um, some interesting news, which I'm, I'm excited about, having uh, followed and covered the J.C. Penny mixed team for – a number of years in the 90s, and that is a word that it, the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour may be uh, creating a new event, a new team event. Yeah, you know, look, it, the only thing that's stopping this right now is a sponsor and a date. Um, you have all of the principals that are involved in this thing who want it to happen. Um, Jay Monahan wants it to happen. Mike Wan wants it to happen. The players on both sides are all excited about it. Um, so, look, when you have... The principals who are involved who have no objections and actually want something like this to come, come about, uh, usually it happens, and it happens pretty quickly. So, so I, would not be, um, I would not be surprised at all if there wasn't an announcement soon that within the next year or so we do have a mixed team event. Yeah, I, th- I think that would be fantastic. Uh, just up the road from you, we're going to be uh, starting a, a, the, the Quail Hollow tomorrow, Steve. Uh, your thoughts on the tournament this week and who we should be keeping our eye on? Well, you know, I look, I, I, I'm a big believer in horses for courses. And, I mean, Justin Thomas has got such a, such a, a, a good, uh, good memories and a good thought from up there that, that I, I would say obviously keep him in mind. But, um, you know, look, it, that golf course sets up for a lot of different people. Ricky Fowler has played well there. Rory has played well there. Um, but, but I think that you're going to see someone – whose name your listeners will recognize uh, getting at the top of that leaderboard. Well, Justin played a little uh, um, uh, escort to a, a marriage proposal out on the golf course, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, apparently a fan had contacted him on Instagram asking for his help to propose to his girlfriend. A great, great video out there on the Internet if you get a chance to look at it. And he uh, he came over and gave the the, the guy a glove and 
turned to his girlfriend, gave her a ball, and on the ball, I think it said, will you marry me? And he was down on one knee giving her a ring. It was a great moment. You love when these guys do this kind of stuff. You know, it really is wonderful. And and, uh, I think we went through a period where those kinds of things didn't happen on our tour, but I think those – those guys, that kind of fan interaction is what brings people back into the game, and I'd love to see more of it. Yeah, I agree. And along with that, a great new um, uh, PR campaign that the PGA Tours got going now, which I, I think is you know reaching out to the, the fans in terms of uh, um, you know having more of them involved from social media, which I think is is good for the game as well. Absolutely, it is. You know, you, you love having anything that, that gets the, van, the fans more engaged with the athletes, the better for the overall game of golf. Absolutely. So, uh, who's who's your pick, Steve, as we let you go here for the Wells Fargo? Uh, Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas. Justin, Justin Thomas is my pick. All right. And, Mike, who are you going with? Patrick Reed. You're going with Patrick Reed. Oh. He was second last year, so at the PGA, so I'm going with him. Um, I'm. I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler. There you go. But my sleeper, Webb Simpson. How about that one? Resident. Yeah. I, I, I've, got, I've got a feeling. I've got a little feeling. <laughs> All right, Mike J., thank you so much for spending some time with us, the Golf thank Insiders. You, we love you. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.